Blog Talk Radio. Is growth predictable? 
number one. And number two, if it's predictable, is it manageable? Well, obviously, if we're going to do a whole 30-minute show on it, you already know the answer. That growth is predictable and therefore can be managed. Now, what I want to say to you is that we're going to be talking about some growth stages. And if you're a regular listener of ours, you know that we've covered this ground before. The reason that, that we consistently come back to this as one of the core models is that it explains what's going on so well there simply isn't a replacement for it. And it's a combination of a number of, of models on life cycles that I became familiar with not only as a researcher, but also in practical application. I'm on my sixth startup. And so, trust me, I have lived what we're talking about. Uh, but there are two people uh, that deserve some sort of uh, uh, um, credit or acknowledgement. And one was Ishak Adizis on his work on life cycles, and seminal work. Uh, the other one was an individual by the name of Robert Grinder, who took a totally different approach to this. So what we have done is we've pulled the two models together, plus from about uh, 20 years of practical application, put our own spin on that. But I would definitely recommend, especially Adizis, A-D-Z-I-C-S, that you check him out. And he's a great organization and a very smart man. All right. So this course forward, okay. Yes, I, I should say yesterday, but you never can tell when you've listened to the podcast. So here's the deal. Previous one, the previous member of our three-pack of uh, Foster oil cans here was on legacy. One of the things we talked about in the legacy was reaching inflection point. Well, I want to expand upon that. Inflection point, just a uh, review from yesterday, was you start the company, and then you've got this period of time where on one dimension you've got percentage of growth, and on the other dimension you've got time. So assume that the um, the horizontal, the one that goes uh, left to right, is time. So what you should see over time, and most companies have, is their growth curve, their growth line doesn't go up very much. Hopefully it doesn't go down. But for the most part, it it inches its way up. And then all of a sudden, there's a point where it's like goes straight up. It's like a shooting a rocket off, or most of you who have gone to the bank or try to get the uh, capital, you, you present a chart that says that, you know, if you invest in us, uh, and I promise this type of hockey stick growth. Well, that's the inflection point. And the period of time that it takes to go from the time that you start to that first inflection point is called ramp time. What I want to focus in on is that period between the time you start and the time you reach your first inflection point. The term we're going to use for the inflection point is reinvention which is one of the stages of growth. So I just want to kind of weigh that out for you. All righty. Our focus is going to be on your first reinvention from getting to there from here. Um, all the other reinventions, all the other inflection points that we discussed briefly uh, on the Legacy Show, I'm going to reserve for the third member of the three-pack. All right, stages of growth. So let me give you the six. Uh, you can write these down. You can you can get a web. You can uh, go to our site uh, on SlideShare and download the slides, or you can take a look at our blog at um, call the rudder. Just do a search on the rudder, and you'll find us posted. The six stages are, one, is dream to plan, two, go live, three, next act, four, big fast, five, profit taking, six, reinvention, all right? One through six. Now, what I will say to you is that in a lot of companies, reinvention doesn't happen. And what you see is after profit-taking, you see bureaucracy, you see aristocracy, and you see death. In other words, there are three phases beyond that of companies that are beginning to decay. 
I don't want to get in that conversation with you because I know none of you uh, intend to get to there, and none of you, if you get there, will allow it to happen. So I'm just taking that as an assumption. All right, so let me let me talk about this. And the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to give you a description of what this stage looks like, and I'm going to describe kind of the midpoint. In other words, if when you're in the middle of it, what is it? And then I'll say, okay, what does it look like when you're coming in, and what does it look like when you're going out? Now, the first one is relatively simple because uh, the middle, the in, and the out are almost the same thing. Dream to plan. What that is is you or a group of founders, whoever it may be, who have come together and said, hey, we got this great business idea. Let's do something about it. And so you're in the process of doing market intelligence. Um, you're in the process of writing a business plan. You're in a process of designing some preliminary processes. Um, in terms of financial reporting, um, how you're going to make your products, how you can deliver your services, uh, how you're going to sell, all the things that you do to gear up to get this business going forward. All right, it's also a time for gut check because someplace, someplace in here, and usually around the middle, is that after you've done enough research and you've moved from kind of that enthusiasm uh, of, of being naive, the naivete of most startups. Even even if you've done five previous, I can remember when we were we were uh, boiling and hatching this business design in late 2005 before we took it live in 2006. Uh, even though I've been down this road five times, I still had the same enthusiasm and naivete about oh how this is going to go until the reality sinks in. This is also a period right in the middle is gut check time, and gut check is you don't know enough to say, is this business plan viable? Can we pull this off? Do we have sufficient working capital to get us out of here? Because one of the challenges of this phase, it's interesting, almost sounds like a paradox. Not enough research, too much research. And you've got to strike a balance. If you don't do enough research, you're going to go off half cock and you're going to basically lose all your money. Unless you have a, an unlimited well of finances, and if you do, you're probably not interested in what I'm talking about anyway. On the other hand, um, if you take too long, you will have burnt up most of your working capital. And so when you get into the sales phase, because the next stage could take you years to get out of. Some of these stages go on forever, as a matter of fact. And what you see is you see companies that are prematurely aged because they can't get beyond where they are. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. So this dream to plan is basically you've thought it through, you've done some market intelligence, you've written a business plan, um, you've put together the financials, uh, you've put some process into place, and you, you have a gut check to say, okay, are we ready to go? Do we have enough money? Is the product good enough, good enough to put out on the market and sell? And that is when you get to that output, when you're basically saying, we're ready to open shop. All right, stage two, go live. Go live is you open the doors and you start taking orders. You hope at least you start taking orders. Whether it's a, whether it's bricks and mortar, whether it's online, it doesn't matter. Is that you have now announced to the world we are open for business. All right, the doors are open. And your goal here, the issue with this stage, the issue with stage one was getting it roughly right so you could start, build enough of a foundation that you could get going, have enough money that you could last. This stage is about cash, cash, cash. 
And if it's about cash, 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 then we can really say is that this whole stage is about sales, sales, sales. You have a business idea and you've got to prove it. And so the issue now comes, can I get sales in the door? Can I demonstrate to somebody that this works, that it's better than the alternatives, and therefore it's worthy of you spending money with us than with other people? Okay. Now, what does this look like when you're in the middle of it? Well, here is, here is the challenge, is that, first of all, the owner executives have to be actively engaged in sales. And we're going to talk about that a lot more in the next session. But think about this. If you're brand new in the marketplace and you're asking people to buy from you, unless you're selling something that, no, that they can, can't get anyplace else, why would they buy from you? Why would they take the risk? Why would they say, well, I'm going to turn down these known suppliers, maybe known suppliers to me I've used for a while and I'm satisfied with. Why would I buy from you? Or why would I come into your retail operation when I can go down the street and I've known them for years? And so this is why executive involvement in sales is so important because they're not buying from the company because they trust the company. They're going to buy from you because they trust you. And so what happens here is that it's almost a personal bond between the owner and the customer or the client to say, I trust you that this is going to work. So what, it, what does it look like when you come in the middle of it, uh, when you come into this stage, is the doors are open. When you're in the middle of this is you're being as opportunistic as you know how. You're taking on business that probably you wouldn't have done in the past, uh, but right now you need revenue. And what does it look like when you're headed out? Well, the characteristics of this stage is that cash flow is becoming predictable and sufficient. Now, let me, let me take those two just quickly. Let me take the sufficient one. Sufficient means that you can pay all your bills, you're not slow paying anybody, and you actually can pay yourself. I know that I've been in a few startups where it was months, if not years, before I started getting a steady paycheck, uh, simply because there wasn't enough money to pay for everything. And, and who gets paid last? The business owner, the founder, is always the people that are paid last. They, you know, your suppliers are paid first, your employees are paid second, your investors are paid third, you're paid last. And so you have sufficient cash flow to pay, pay all your bills. In fact, you have a little left over, which when we get to the next stage is going to be critical. And then the issue with predictable is that in order to execute a budget, in order to say, okay, we have X number of dollars, and we're going to spend it in X ways to grow the firm, I got to know that when the time comes to spend that money, it's going to get replaced. And what happens here, if you were in the middle of this stage, your budgeting process is called replacement. You spend money when you can replace it. Not when you have closed the deal. And then think about the psychology here. Not when you've closed the deal, but when you've actually taken the um, you've taken the money. We 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 affectionately call this, and I don't mean to be sacrilegious, but we call it the uh, the church of the clear check. That's uh, a lot of us wind up praying to that because you pray that the, the whole thing works. But if you're on your way out, your cash flow is predictable enough that you can budget, and it's sufficient enough that you can pay all your bills plus pay yourself. All right. Next act, stage three. What's the next act? Well, this is kind of where you've taken, you take a breath and you go, whew, we just got through that because I can guarantee you stage two is scary. And a lot of times you have doubts about whether you're going to make it. Stage three, you kind of have arrived and you got to your first plateau. So this growth line, as I was talking about in the previous show and earlier in this one, this growth line 
if I really looked at it, it's kind of wavy where you have a period of it's flat and you go up a little bit, then it flattens and you go up. Well, you've just gone through your first growth and now it's kind of, it's flat for a little bit. Uh, what does it look like when you're in the middle? Well, this is when you are making, you're, you're making some sense of, okay, we said we were going to do X, but what are we really going to do? Because as I said with the stage two, you need to move from being opportunistic and doing anything that will bring in money because a lot of times you pursue bad business or perhaps pursue unprofitable business. But rather here, you're saying to yourself, we need to be opportunistic, but it has to be has to have some boundaries. We have to say, these are the type of deals now that we've done them. These are the type of deals. These are the type of customers that we want to go after. Um, and these are the ones we want to stay away from because they're just rat holes. Um, we wind up doing things we shouldn't be doing. We, our quality is not very high. The customer is dissatisfied. we got lots of chargebacks, and we ultimately don't make any money on them. So that's what it looks like in the middle. Um, what does it look like coming in? And it's kind of everybody taking a breath, and you've got predictable and uh, sufficient cash flow. And what does it look like going out? Well, what it looks like going out is you're about ready for your next major ramp-up. So what that also says is during this period is you make some decisions about how you want to grow the firm larger, and you make investments in building that capacity. And typically, there are only two types of capacity you've got to worry about. Capacity number one is sales. Or capacity number two is production. And you want to keep them somewhat in balance. You don't want to spend all your money in sales to where they'll get the orders, but you can't you can't honor them. Or you don't want to put it all into capacity where, uh, yeah, we can build it, but we've got nobody selling it, so we've got, we've got plants or people idled. So that's what it looks like. Stage four. This is, this is the hockey stick that we all talk about for the most part, and it's called Big Fast. And Big Fast, what does it look like in the middle, is that this thing is just cranking. The company is just going for it. What you've done in the previous stage is you have built the capacity for this growth spurt, some balance between capacity and sales, and now what you see is an organization that is beginning to maximize its resources. It's beginning to look like a company um, uh, re, a real company, not just a bunch of guys in the garage, or you know, uh, or a bunch of your friends who's sitting around having coffee. We suddenly have gone from dreaming to doing. Um, what does it look like when you come in? What it looks like when you come in is that you have built the capacity and you're ready to do a relaunch of the firm. Usually, you see a lot of marketing campaigns where people are going out to the marketplace, going, "Here we are, come get us." Um, in the middle. Everybody's jamming. You're really starting to hum. You have some balance between money coming in and money going out. You're managing your working capital fairly smartly because I can tell you there are two stages where uh, where companies go out of business. The first one is stage two where they they die of cash starvation or infant mortality as it's known in the industry. Uh, the other one is the stage here where, where basically – Growth wasn't planned very smartly, and now you may have a ton of orders and you may have a ton of accounts receivable, but you're broke, and a lot of companies have, have destroyed their working capital. What does it look like when you're going out? It looks like this. When you're leaving at this stage, the company is humming at max capacity. Ask yourself this question. If your organization today operated at 95% of its capacity, in other words, in terms of equipment and people and the relationships you had, if we were getting 95% out of all of that that we should be getting, how would the company be operating? How much revenue would we have? What type of margins would we have? That's what, we, that's what a company looks like when it's coming out. Okay, That takes us to stage five. And this is stage five is what we call profit-taking. 
And what I mean by profit-taking is that just like stage three was kind of a lull, this is another lull. And what happens here, what happens in the middle of this is they've just gone through this growth spurt. You have maximized the capacity of the firm. You can't do anymore. Now it's time to kind of slow down a little bit. Typically, you're not doing any ads or promotions. You're just basically dealing with what the business that you brought in. And now what you're gonna, what's going to happen is you're going to take the lessons learned from this growth spurt, and you're going to maximize your operations. You're going to take a look at your processes. You're going to look at people. And basically what you're going to try to do is, all right, how can we do this better, faster, and for less? Let, let's, let's, let's take the lessons learned, and let's really build this organization that's something solid. Now, I'm going to talk a lot, of, a lot more about this in the next session, but I can tell you that if your goal, your legacy from the previous um, uh, presentation that we did, previous show, is if your legacy is to sell the firm, now is the time to sell it because it never, ever, ever will be worth more money than it is at this point in time. And so this is the time to take it. So what does it look like when coming in? You've maximized everything out. It looks like it's about to blow up. When you're in the middle of it, you've slowed down. You've taken an inward focus. You're trying to get things together. And what does it look like when you come out of this is you've either sold it, you've made a decision to reinvent it, or, and this is the cases that I was going to talk about in the past, and that is you're in the growth uh, decay stage. This stage you will not stay at. No matter how hard you try, you can't stay at this stage. Because if you try to stay here, all that's going to happen is you're going to get it, begin to move into the death spiral. All right, that gets me to the last stage, the reinvention stage, stage six, or that inflection point that we talked about in the previous show. This is where you've made a decision not to sell, and you've recognized that you can't stand pat. So what do you do now? Well, if you really want to grow the firm, what you need to do is you need to say, we have to take two perspectives. So in the middle of this, in the middle, is you basically look at two processes. You look at two areas of the company, I should say, and I want to introduce a concept that we're not going to get to in this show, and that is you're looking at your products and services, and you're going to build a team of people, insiders and outsiders, who are going to look at the products and services to say, do we do extensions on those? Do we, are there more things in the markets that we're in that we can do? Uh, or can we take what we currently have and can we expand it to other markets? But one is going to be a total outward focus to take a look at the products and services that are being presented to the marketplace, that are being sold to customers, to say, do we improve them? Do we come up with new ones? Do we move to new markets? Then there's also a focus on the inside to say, okay, even though in, in the previous step we kind of maximized everything out, what inefficiencies that we learn, because sometimes you can fix a system without changing it. Other times you've got to go, look, there's nothing we can do about this process. The whole thing has to be overhauled. Here's what happens in the in reinvention stage is what the company looks, the people in the company look at, and you do this with outsiders as well, and we'll talk about that more in the next show, is that you look at how can we do it better, faster, and for different. And it's a mantra that you'll hear from me time and time again is that your goal is to become the lowest cost producer. And I'll say the same thing that I always say when I make that statement. This is not a conversation about price. This talks about that you're going to build or do whatever it is that you build or do better, faster, and for less than anybody else. Then pricing is a separate decision uh, based upon brand and based upon margin and investors and other things like that. So what happens after reinvention? Well, here's what I want you to visualize is that you've gone up. And now you're going to do a loop, and you're going to swing around. And the reinvention is that swing around, and you're going to come right back into the, the interface between the next act and Big Fast. 
So you move into the later stages of stage three, and you're back into the stage three, four, five, six. And so what you see with those companies, and we talked about the growth curves in the previous show, is that once they get to their first inflection point, then their business, if it's well-managed, because growth is an objective, what you see from these companies is three, four, five, six, three, four, five, six, three, four, five, six. Most of the companies did it four times before they got to a billion dollars in revenue. Just kind of noodle on that one for a second. If you're thinking about really growing the company large, how do you do it? Well, I've just given you kind of a general roadmap. Where we're going to go tomorrow? Uh, I shouldn't say tomorrow again because I don't know if you're going to when you're going to listen to the show in the next show. The next show is called "Beating the Odds by Changing the Odds." But I think I think what I'm going to call it tomorrow when I do it is making the rules, which is going to get into the details of how do you make this happen. So some concluding thoughts. Uh, one of the areas that I didn't go to uh, was core processes. So I'll save that for introduction tomorrow because this, there was just too much meat here to go through it quickly. But let me give you some things to consider. Is that um, most small business people, if they are not renegades or escapees from large corporations, have an unhealthy uh, view of large corporations. Because I hear from a lot of small business owners and entrepreneurs, oh, I don't want to be like them. Uh, I agree with that. I worked in large organizations, both in the private and public sector. I get it. But don't think for a second that those large corporations, one, don't have something to teach you. And number two is that there are lessons to be learned. Because what I'm going to say about this topic is, one, you've got to get over your big company neuroses and say to yourself, there are things about big companies I don't want to learn from and I don't want to copy. Good. Don't. There are other things. from my many years working in corporations as well as my background in the sciences. And that is everything that exists in the universe is a system. And that every system has a series of processes that make that system work or make that system dysfunctional. All of those systems have a set of laws. If we're talking about chemistry, there are a set of laws. If we're talking physics, there are a set of laws. Well, guess what? We're talking business here, and there are a set of laws. And what we're going to do is we're going to talk about those laws of business. What are those core processes uh, that you need to build? And it, it's not a question of whether or not you will build these, because you will. The only question is when. And if you think about this, and this is kind of your homework assignment until we meet again, is that if you've got stages of growth and you've got core processes, what I'll tell you is kind of a sneak of tomorrow's test is that each one of those processes become important at a certain stage in the company, and that's when they need to be built. No small company has everything built at once. And in fact, if you try that, if you've got lots of money and lots of investment capital and you try that at the very beginning, you'll waste time, you'll waste money, and you'll waste effort because, you know what, they can't be built. They need to be built when they are necessary because then you will understand what you need to make. Okay, so with that, I'm just going to close on a couple of thoughts as I've set you up for tomorrow. And one of those is uh, talking a little bit about our company, Applied Knowledge Labs, and what we've been doing on our reinvention. Um, 
our reinvention is really about trying to create a revolution in the whole consulting space. And I use the word consulting loosely because I really, I, I group consulting, training, and coaching all into the same uh, categories because it's all a matter of passing knowledge. I mean, think about it. I know something you don't know. And so if you bring me in and I start working in one of your offices and providing my expertise and I'm there on a fairly frequent basis, we call that consulting. If, on the other hand, you say, I want you to work with these three or four cons uh, executives and I want you to work with them and, and pass what you know to them and help them, we call that coaching. Or if I bring in 20 people and put butts in chairs, we call that training. Well, it's all about the same kernel, and that kernel is knowledge. And so... Um, here's what I'm here's what I'm offering to you is that it's been my experience in six startups is every one of us every entrepreneur every business owner every exec more than once and myself just recently um, have wished they could start over uh, to take the lessons that they've learned and basically hit the startup button the reset that's what I want to offer to you and that is we're about an unconsulting revolution rather than hiring people to come in borrow your watch, tell you what time it is. We want to offer you a place, a community that you can come and get the answers that you need to solve your business problems, especially if you're focused on growth. And so I want you to consider that. You can either do a search, whatever search engine is uh, your favorite search engine, and look for the Growth Lab, or go to our, our site, the Growth Lab, with hyphens between the and growth and, and growth and lab info, and take a look at what we have to offer. And so that's it. No more time. Uh, you take care and uh, have a great business day. Mm -hmm.